1: Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk
2: Gardening.
0: Hey gardening friends, how are you? Let's get going. We've got Bev on the phones out there waiting for your calls. 94841927. John Glidden is standing by to assist us with your questions and you can send your questions as well to our email address gardening at curtainfm.com.au and a big shout out to our cycling DJ Jim Kreinan for the upbeat start to the morning fabulous breakfast tunes and he was supported today by our very own Bev Daring who had to get up extra early so thank you both very much guys Fay good morning good morning Ray it's how a- goes it <laughs> It's a tad wet out there, isn't it today? We had great rain overnight. I kept waking and listening. I just like lying in bed listening to the rain. I could, <laughs> I could stay, I could have stayed there well, this that, morning. That uh-huh. was
3: my um, caption to today's. A photo post all about our radio show i, oh, I suggest people stay in bed with a cuppa and tune in to let's talk gardening
0: yeah oh yeah if i didn't have to <laughs> get up i think i'd be doing that i'd be listening absolutely um it's lovely and warm and snug and as i say it's just uh, that gorgeous rainy weather so it's been, it's been a good week and more rain coming this week. So we we love it. And I've actually got some rainfall figures around here from John. I will pull them out for everybody. Actually, I must say I thought the rainfall would be higher than this so far for June, but we're sitting at 22.6 mils. That's as at uh, this morning's reading. So hopefully we can bump that up. The Last year we had 93.6 for June, so we've got a way to
3: go. Mm, we're on track. And, yeah. of course, it's a reminder... If the water's falling from the sky, turn off your sprinklers.
0: Yes, mine definitely off and uh, we certainly don't need to have them on and it's just wonderful out there. So, yes, um, I'm a I'm a bit of a rain, what would you call me? Geek. A rain geek, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So we have um, great guests. We always have great guests. We've got Jo Broadhurst chatting with her at 20 past eight, talking about zygo cactus and Hatiora. Okay, and she's going to tell us some very interesting things about the zygote cactuses, which are flowering magnificently at the moment. Gee, the colour that they're so showy.
3: They didn't get the name winter cactus for nothing. For nothing.
0: And our guest today, who will join us in the studio, is Karina Knight. Now, she's a research associate at the WA Herbarium, we're talking about slime moulds. I can't <laughs> I, wait. <laughs> I know. They
3: are unfairly named because they're yes. fascinating and amazing. Yes. And they have just got such a daggy name, haven't they? Like, yeah,
0: it's not attractive. It's like no. dogs vomit.
3: It is. That's another it one, is. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people would have these in their gardens or <laughs> pot plants yeah. without knowing it. Yeah, exactly. So we, we hope to open your eyes if you're out there. And um, I've been saying us. to myself
0: when I see little bits of uh, fungi or something on my travels in my walks, I say, look closer. And then I hear you in my head going, and look closer again. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I do. Aww. I try and see what I can see. So, yeah, uh, it, it's wonderful at the moment if you are out walking. And uh, certainly as I have a dog, she drags me all over the place. And it's a good opportunity to, to have a closer look at what's around you.
3: The forest floor mm. is amazing. Mm. And, of course, at the moment, much of it is littered with the falling leaves. The yeah, autumn leaves yeah. are dropping and yeah, all the colours. Just, and I've mm. seen some amazing patterns. You know, these mm. days with with cameras and and phones, you can snap the prettiest pictures. And yeah. And I t- see
0: them on Facebook yes, too. Yeah. We
3: talk well, they're instaworthy, aren't they? Yeah. We talk about mental health and, and sometimes if you just you know, let your head go a bit and collect a few leaves of the varying colours from green through to bronze or Mm, red mm, or brown. mm. You can make an amazing, almost rainbow and snap a photo and share it. You can get quite arty, but it takes your head away. It relaxes you. If things get too much inside, just walk out into the garden, look at the raindrops and the leaves and the bark and, mm. and listen
0: for the birds. Mm. It's meditational mm. and it's good for us. It surely is. So 94841927. I've got two great prizes to give away, a regular $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. And we're also giving away two litres of very grow fertiliser. Uh, so I'll be giving that away for the next few weeks. Uh, you must be able to come into the station to collect that. We can't Put that in the post for you unfortunately so if you do uh, win the very great p- product before you pick up the phone to call bev make sure that you can actually collect it from the station or send someone here to collect it for you so we've got those available to give away today as well and i know we've got a couple of emails we have got a couple where would of, you like to well start?
3: i would first of all like to wish michael barbaro a very happy birthday he's celebrating today and i'm sure he will receive lots of texts and messages and my suggestion is pick up the phone and ring him to say happy birthday because some sometimes how they do technology well if you're a facebook friend on messenger you can actually call through messenger Uh but you know friends often just send a text to say happy birthday and i think it's still nice to ring and 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 have it's people on their chat.
0: birthday rather than sending a message. Exactly. Yeah. Now,
3: last night he was playing at the footy club. We had a fantastic night and I met some of our listeners there too, Ray. So, yeah. big shout out to everyone who was there and special thanks to those of you who got up on the dance floor. And I could list off some numbers mm-hmm. of ages 94, 76, 80 something. These guys were rocking it, right? Yeah, yeah. The music down there is amazing. And it's not a late night.
0: No. And that's Michael Barbero, And he's on air this week with Jenny as well. Yes, kicking off
3: Radiothon. Radiothon
0: starts on Monday. Yeah, so we'll have a busy show next Saturday. We've got... uh, Four bigotry vouchers to give away. Wow. Four if you donate in the gardening show. So, yeah. And uh, lots of lots of uh, nice prizes throughout the week as well coming up. So that's Radiothon starting on Monday going through to Sunday. We look forward to it. Okay, let's uh, hit the lines, shall we? We'll travel up to Les Murdy. Tony, good morning. Yes, good morning. Hi, Tony. How can we help you?
4: My passion fruit vine is uh, got some quite a lot of passion fruit on it, but when they're still green, they crinkle and just fall off.
3: That's right. Yes, they need warm weather to ripen. Yep. And so you probably will lose a lot of fruit. There's not much that you can actually do about it. But what what I would recommend going forward, come springtime, probably around October, I would recommend that you cut back the vine by maybe a third, yep. and give it a feed. And when you see your first flower buds forming, give it some potassium. And so what this will do, cutting it back will encourage some new growth. Feeding it will encourage more growth. And the potassium will encourage bigger fruit and sweeter fruit. So that will kick start it into a cycle where the fruit will develop and ripen over the summer months.
5: Oh Thank
1: you. So, they should should it be fruiting now or
3: not? They, many of them are, and who knows what will happen with our weather. One year, fruiting. I had passion fruit growing on a chook pen, yeah. and a combination of where where it was situated, as well as the manure and the water that it was getting, I was actually getting some ripe fruit dropping in winter. Yeah. So it it's possible, but there's not a lot really that you can do to intervene. Maybe
0: just put a bed of mulch over the roots.
5: Yep. Okay. Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome, Thanks, Tony. Tony. Cheers for that. Bye. Bye. I think that people will be looking much more closely at growing their own vegetables given the way the price of veggies is going through <laughs> the absolute roof. Well, there, yeah.
3: therein lies a set of problems, doesn't it, yeah. Ray?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why is that? Well, the recent uh, yeah. announcement yeah. of water... Yeah, restrictions. Yeah, mm. as well. I'm still Reeling processing. From that. It. Um, mm. Mm. Absolutely. So that's with regard to... I was to... always
3: taught, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything. So I'll
0: throw that out the window. <laughs> <laughs> Only joking. We're in Thornley. Hi, Ron. How are you? I'm well, thank you, ladies. Yourself? Very good. How can we help you, Ron? I,
6: my tomatoes have been decimated this year. A um, uh, nice little grub is... Um, eating the insides and leaving me bereft of
5: uh, tomatoes. Mm. That's
3: nice of them. Yes, yes. And they get in when the flower is forming. So that makes life very difficult. What you can do going forward, Ron, is to cover the bushes with, with a net, a barrier, and that will keep the little moths out. What it will mean is that you need to go in with a paintbrush or an electric toothbrush and pollinate your own tomatoes,
6: right? I don't mind doing that, but right, yeah, right.
3: <laughs>
6: mm. Okay, so there's nothing that can be done with the with the moths, or no spray, or anything I can use.
3: Well, the the problem is when it gets in there. Like one of my go-to favorites is uh, the product called Dipel or uh, Caterpillar Killer. And you spray, yep. it's a a powder, you mix up in water and you spray it over the plant. Yep. So when the caterpillar eats the plant, it gets a tummy ache and dies. And that's effective when the caterpillar is very small.
5: Yeah, no, no, no.
6: The, this, uh, the caterpillar is inside the tomato.
3: That's right.
6: It's not a, it, okay.
3: But, right. but what I'm saying is the egg is laid when the flower is developing.
6: Right.
3: So that's when you need to have the spray on there so that when the egg hatches, the larva start to eat. And so, yeah, it's it's not easy. It Mm. is complicated. But if you understand that, you know when you have to spray the fruits. And if it rains or if your irrigation goes on to the flowers after you've sprayed, then you need to spray again.
4: Spray again, Mm. yeah. All right. Well, thank you very kindly. We'll give it a try.
3: All right, but Thanks, cu- Coupled with a, a barrier net, you may get some success. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Okay. Thank All you right. very much. Thanks, Ron. It
3: shouldn't be this hard, should it? Well, it. You know, over Hello. the years, Ray, we we've taken a lot of calls about how difficult and frustrating mm. it is, and and sometimes you know people have joked about. By the time they get a broccoli, you know, it costs them $12. And, you know, when they grow them commercially in a good season, you can pick a broccoli up for like 19 cents. Okay. Yeah.
0: mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got to weigh, weigh out the pros and cons. But that was then, not now. Broccoli yes. Is probably about $20 a head now. I'm look, just joking. I
3: think it is
0: a really good idea
3: to, to grow some of your own vegetables. Yeah. Number one, we do have an understanding of how easy or hard it is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes of the year, if we're working with nature, you can get good growth. Like at the moment, we've got the rains coming down. If you've prepared your soil and planted out your veggies, they're basically growing themselves. Loose leaf lettuce are very easy to grow at the moment. even I can grow them. Mm. Mm. Some things will grow easily in pots. So if you're really energy conscious and and water conscious, you can be saving that bucket of water from the shower Mm. or when the hot water's coming through the sink taps, put it into a bucket or put it into two litre milk bottles and water the garden with it. Add a little bit of liquid fertiliser to give it an extra boost. Mm. There's Mm. a lot that we could be doing. I know with restrictions, you know, we've been told, well, you can hand water and that's Mm. great. Everything is going to take us longer. Mm. You know, it's going to be more us shadowing our plants. We're going to have to be more discerning about what we grow. I really feel for disabled people and elderly people who perhaps are looking after someone else and they... Rely on an automatic system to just keep things ticking over, you go into a hospital or you go and have a few days away, mm. that's it. You can't hand water. But
0: you're referring to bore water usage. Yes. Yeah, so mm. a lot of us don't have balls. No, I understand. So I, I, I just understand. wanted to point that out so that listeners mm. aren't confused. The what thing to. there was to. an
3: announcement that came late yeah. on a Friday of a long weekend. Yeah, last weekend. That the bore water... <coughs> Decision has been made to regulate two days a week. Yeah, blindsiding everyone again. So, mm. for a lot of people whose gardens were set, and yeah, they yeah. rely on it, uh, it's it's going to have an impact. It's a huge just impact. So disappointing. Yeah, people will be more discerning. So, growing vegetables in summer and fruit trees, you've got to think harder.
0: Yeah, yeah not easy okay uh i'll we'll go to a break when we return we're chatting about rainbow chard Radio. you're with ray and faye listening to let's talk gardening we're going to southern river good morning maurice oh hello how are you i'm good how are you going we are we're really well great. thank how you
3: you're welcome our pleasure how can we help today Uh,
7: I I bought a panet of um, rainbow chard some weeks back, and I was really excited when they all grew so well. But um, I think they're all a little bit too close together. They're about um, maybe about eight, eight inches high, maybe not quite, maybe six to eight inches high. And I'm wondering if it's too late to move them, put them into another pot so they each have their own little container.
3: Sure. Um, it's probably not the best time, but you can take as much of the root ball as you can. So uh, probably go halfway between the plants that are always, already there and dig as yes. much as you can. They all They will recover very quickly. The thing about yes. rainbow chard, why they're so wonderful is they come in a rainbow of colours. So they yes. look pretty in the garden. They certainly do grow themselves. The only thing you might want to look out for is the white cabbage butterflies that are flitting around laying eggs and the caterpillars might like a taste. Uh, But you can also, you don't have to harvest the whole plant. You just take away the outside leaves. So if you do have any pest attack, just take away those leaves and monitor the new growth.
7: Okay, all right. So I, I can actually um, transplant them. Uh, I might just do that with one or two just in case I lose the lot.
3: <laughs> and give it a drink of uh, seaweed. That will help as seaweed. well. Oh, a seaweed okay, solution lovely. mixed up in a watering can. It helps yes. the plants become more resilient. All right. Just making a note of that. Thank you very much.
7: Love the show. Thank, oh, thank you. you. Thank you. Cheers, bye now. Them. No, bye Bye-bye.
0: All right. Now, as we mentioned when we opened up the show this morning, we are chatting with Joe Broadhurst from the Zygo Cactus and Hattiora of WA Society, is it? Facebook page. Facebook page. Mm. I see. Okay. Joe, you're with Ray and Faye. How are you? Hi. Hi. Good morning. How are you
3: going? <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I think last time we talked to you, we heard about your, your plant uh, obsession, is it? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> what has what that grown to include, Joe?
8: Ah, uh, just more diagos, unfortunately. It cost me money and... Um, oh, yes. <laughs> uh. I'm sure I'm not the only one. No, Absolutely. you're not. Well, the, there seems to be more colours available mm. now. Am I wrong? Um, We're just getting more into WA. Ah. Ah. Uh, they, there's a lot more available overseas than what we can get in Australia, but WA, we have to bring in cuttings from the eastern states. We have to pay for um, quarantine. We have to pay for the cuttings. We have to pay for postage. So it's slowly getting more into WA.
3: Okay. And I guess probably a lot of people have got at least one zygo cactus. Uh, It was
8: grandmas or
3: mums and
2: they get passed
8: around. It's normally grandmas cutting Uh the thing passed down. Well, they're such an easy
3: plant to share. Tell us how easy they are to grow.
8: Oh, extremely easy. Um, You just take... You only need one clade, one little leaflet, and pop it in some soil or water and it'll grow.
0: Yeah. That easy, huh? Amazing. Yeah.
8: Mm. It is. And, you know, you can, out of one plant, you could make hundreds of plants, really. mm such yeah so
3: easy to share amongst friends and of course they yes. look stunning in hanging baskets They do. what how do you get the best flowering out of them mm. what do you do and when do you do it
8: um coming up to flowering in the growing season i fertilize my plants every two weeks
3: okay with um, what do you feed them with
8: oh just power feed or whatever you got really okay. but they're happy with whatever. They're not, they're not fussy. That's good. Good no. to hear. And then I also give them a dose of um, epsom salts. Right. And what does that do for them? So epsom salts, it doesn't matter what plant it is, uh, you can use it through all your gardens, um, citrus especially. What it does is helps. The plant uptake nutrients. Mm, okay. So,
3: and what, what sort of ratio? Uh,
8: two teaspoons for nine liters of water. Oh, that goes a long way then, so doesn't it? Sure it? does. Yeah. 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 And but what sort of? Really, it's really good for greening up your plants. Your plants looking a little, you know, dull and not so happy. That will bring it around very fast. Right. And what sort of potting mix do they like? They like a very free-draining potting mix. So, personally, I get um, a huge bag of potting mix, premium potting mix. I then mix it with perlite. Yes. And also add in two small bags of cactus mix or orchid mix. And I mix it all together. And that's how yeah. I put them up.
3: Yeah. And I guess your orchid mix is uh, a bark. that Is that
2: right? Yeah.
8: So you just want something that's really free draining. Yeah. I wouldn't use the cheap bags of potting mix instead of the orchid or cactus mix because, sadly, the cheap bags of potting mix are pretty woody and barky. Yeah. But they do the job. Mm, yeah. Okay.
3: That's a good way to save money as well. And what about pests and disease? What are what should people look out
8: for with their plants, Joe? Um okay. Well, this year is the first time I've heard of it. Rats have been eating zygos. Oh dear. So I think we've got a problem across the whole of Australia with rodents at the moment. Yeah, yeah that's a fair call. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, rats have been a problem this year. And, sadly, we have streaking virus. Right, now,
3: okay. The, what does that look like?
8: The flower, when you get a normal zygote that's got the two colours in, it'll be a shading, like it'll be lighter in the, closer to the core of the petals, and then the outside will be darker. With the streaking virus, you can actually see feathered streaking right. Okay. going through the whole colour of the petals. Like stripes? Yes. Okay. Now, this, from what I can gather, was brought in um, from another plant. Dragon fruit is one that it suffers, and... It will go through your whole collection.
0: Streaking virus, that's what it's called? Yes. Okay.
8: We are hoping and following it up with the Ag Department Mm. because there seems to be a lot that have come in this year, whereas WA has been really, really lucky and virus-free. Whereas the eastern states has a massive problem with it. Hence it's made its way
0: here. Mm. Yeah.
8: Mm. And the sad thing is, is the flower looks very different and unusual and people go, oh, my God, look at that. I'll buy it.
0: Oh, yes, yes.
8: So how do they detect it? It has to be done in a
0: lab.
2: Okay. Um,
0: yeah, money. And there's um, nothing you can do, Joe, to prevent it? No. And if you have it, what is your recommendation? If you had it on your zygote cactus, what would you do? Put it in a bin. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's that's... the
8: only way... Well, just like any plant that you buy in, um, keep it away from your other plants for a while.
0: Quarantine it, yeah. Good idea. I think that with any plant you buy, we should, you know, I forget, but you need to quarantine yeah. them, yeah.
8: Well, just keep them away from your collection. Yeah. Just till you, well, with zygos, it's when they flower, which is at the moment. So just keep it away from your collection till you see and you're happy. And on the page, which today is two years old our group um yeah post a picture and we're not experts or anything but we can you know give advice and have a look at it and see if we think that yes it's got the virus or no it hasn't and
3: and so the potential for it to spread is just by being in contact with other plants and what's the risk to, to the rest of someone's collection? What can
8: happen if things go wrong? Um, it totally fades out eventually any colour on yeah. the flower, mm. So you will end up, you know, you might have a beautiful red zygo and it's not going to happen in a year, but in a couple of years that streaking will take over the whole yeah. formula and you will end up with... Just
0: no colour. Yeah. And it doesn't transfer to other plant varieties? It's just purely within the zygote cactus? Uh, no. Um, as far as you know.
3: Or is it not well known about? Is that part of the problem? Like test, testing big. hasn't been done? It, we know it's in Australia uh, yes. and and possibly in Western Australia, but they're not testing for it because it's That's not been recorded. It's yes. not being recorded because it's not being tested. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. People really have to watch out for it then. And if they are, if they do detect it somewhere, what
8: should they be doing, Jo? They should report it to where they've bought it from. Okay. Yeah. Um. The more people that report it, it'll trigger, you know,
3: some a action.
2: Mm,
8: yeah. For sure. And, and maybe
3: people could also report it on their uh, My Pest Guide Reporter app to the yes. department. Yes. Mm, okay. Well,
8: that's good so, to just know. Keep, just keep your secateurs or, you know, your equipment clean, and that's with every plant. You exactly. know, if you're going to chop something, that's great, but make sure you clean your secateurs. Um, that's the way it, it'll transfer and by... Oh, okay. Uh, it's, it's the same with every plant. Yeah, though, for sure. It? And I
3: guess uh, for people who've got plants in bloom now, they they should enjoy the flowering. If their plants are a bit tatty, maybe after the flowering's finished, they might take cuttings. Is that a good time during the winter? Would it matter? No,
8: no wait no. till spring. Okay. I, I made the mistake, or not the mistake, I imported from the Eastern States a heap of cuttings um, in the winter and it took so long mm. and my loss rate was much higher than if I'd done it in the spring. For sure. Okay.
3: So springtime, repot, uh, tidy up the plants, take cuttings and feed through the growing months and yes. enjoy them in winter when... It's too wet oh, to the, be outside
8: gardening, moment, I guess. At the moment, they're outstanding. Mm, yes. The members, the members on our group page have oh, the most beautiful plants you could imagine. And at a time when there's really nothing else flowering. Oh, I warn,
3: you- I do warn people if they go to the Facebook page for Zygocactus and Hatiora that it's, it's another slippery slope because once that bug
8: bites <laughs> and you see what's out there, you Away
3: can't you go. help
8: but want them all. And, I know. And, and Jo? I put up a list of plants um, of zygos, different varieties every now and again. I've got it from an Eastern States seller and there's over 100 different
0: varieties and that's not
8: all of them.
0: Yeah. What's the difference, Joe, between the zygote cactus and the hatiora? What is the difference?
8: Really, it's just the flowering time.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
8: their treatment or how you look after them is exactly the same.
0: Okay, so when do the hatiora flower? Uh, they'll flower in summer. In summer. So you got winter and summer. Okay. And they had the
8: one individual flower. Okay. On each page. Okay. So, not like the zygos where you could get multiple flowers. Yeah, the clusters. They, yeah. Yeah, they do have a different flower, but they're beautiful as well and um, just as easy to look after. Mm.
2: Okay.
3: That's what we like. Pretty plants yeah. that are easy to look after. Yep. <laughs> You're not wrong.
8: Exactly. Mm.
0: Thanks, Joe. Appreciate right. your time. Let you get back to your weekend, and people, if they were, are interested, can actually get onto the Zygo cactus and Hatiora of WA Facebook page. That would be wonderful.
3: Excellent. Great. Thanks for your time, Joe. Okay. Have a
8: lovely day.
0: Yes, you too. You too. Bye. Cheers for
8: that. Bye.
0: Okay. Now let me see. We're in Waikiki. We're talking about oh, oh, Guildford grass. Jeannie, Good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're doing thanks, well. Jeannie. Thank you. Um,
7: I have a problem, that my husband does. The front lawn, um, it's what we call guilford grass. I don't know whether that's the correct name. Long spindly stuff. Yeah. It, it's about six inches high, like a little tiny bulb at the end of it if you manage to pull it up.
2: Yep.
7: Uh, is there anything I can get to kill it? Which I, And it's a buffalo lawn, so... Well,
3: there is, but not something you can spray on the whole lawn, what you would want is a weeding wand or a paintbrush and just uh, yes. Yes. wipe mean. The, each and individual stems. So the oh. best time to do it, the plant is at its weakest when it's flowering. So it's taken all the energy out of the bulb. And right. if you do it at that point, it will It's put its energy into that flower. If you paint it with a herbicide, then it will weaken the bulb. You may have to do it again, and sometimes they have little bulbs off the main bulb.
7: Right, so herbicide. You can't give me any other name uh, or anything.
3: Uh, I think the one that they commonly refer to is uh, Roundup or uh, zero right, yeah, glyphosate. Yeah. Mm.
2: Of okay, course, it's
3: not well, good for the soil, but if you're applying it just by a paintbrush, you're, you're doing minimum damage.
7: Well, that's going to take us a while because it's a very big lawn. <laughs> oh,
0: I was just thinking that, Jeannie. Uh, maybe just start in a small section, you know, do yeah, as much as you can do. And...
7: It is and, it is worse in one section because we have a big tree out there and, of course, it, gr- it seems to grow more under the shade of the tree. Well, you
3: know, the other thing that you could do as as an alternative, and this is sort of something that I've done over the years, where there is a big infestation and it is under a tree and it's shady what you potentially could do is instead of having that as lawn mulch it so i would put down wet newspaper laid quite thickly and mulch on top of that where the leaf blades can't get to the surface they're not going to grow and that will buy you an area that is going to look good overcome your problem so oh that's a thought Mm. all right yeah bear that in mind Hmm. okay
7: thank you very much for your help You're off welcome.
0: you go Jeannie. yeah big big task ahead yes <laughs> all right love, take care thank you well, cheers okay. for that Bye. Bye. all right uh let me see we are in dianella mark how are you going good
3: morning good yourselves we're good, good thanks mark
5: uh it's good yeah look i about a Six, month, six months ago I bought some port wine magnolia to use as a hedging and they look so beautiful, small in pots, etc. I put them down in a row uh, and, yeah, it's are struggling a bit and I don't know what sort of food to give it, to, you know, start seeing it thrive and get a little more bushy, so to speak.
3: Okay. So they they were healthy-looking plants. Were, yeah. were the roots in good condition? They weren't root-bound?
5: No, no, it no? won't okay. be good, yeah.
3: And what did you prepare the soil with, Mark?
5: Oh, I did a little bit of, um, I think it was sheep manure at the time and um, and uh, what was it, a bit of dynamic lifter and all that sort of stuff.
3: Okay, uh, all, yeah. right. all right. Um, perhaps now you could, well, springtime, some slow-release fertiliser along their, their drip line where their roots are, Uh, certainly mulch you could use clay and compost under the mulch that will sort of filter down through the soil Uh, that is probably what I would have suggested in the planting hole to begin with Mm. Um, winter time they they might not do much but if they hang in there come springtime give them a light trim that will encourage some new growth and maybe even like a hose on uh, fertiliser with with seaweed in it.
5: Yeah, no, that sounds good. I'll give that a shot. I mean, I don't think I'd see any difference right now in it during the winter months. I probably need to close it to spring to give it that little boost,
3: shouldn't I? Yes, yes. But mulch now wouldn't hurt them.
5: Okay, so I can buy, like, uh, what's that mushroom Uh, mulch or something?
3: Clay and compost comes in a bag mixed. You could sprinkle that yeah. on the soil and then a chunky mulch on top of that. And at least that will keep the weeds down so they don't have the competition.
5: Oh, okay. All right. All Sounds right. good.
3: Good luck. Thank Thanks, you. Mark. Thank you.
0: Cheers yeah. for that, Mark. Bye. And this is actually, yes, good advice. Rita of Maida phoned in and she said, Guildford grass solution from her lawnmower man, Rotary hoe Lawn Weekly, and the bulbs get exhausted and die out. What have you got? Yes, I know. <laughs> All right, we'll be back shortly. Catching Radio. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening. Our special guest has arrived. Excuse my voice, Karina Knight, who is a research associate of the WA Herbarium. Good morning, Karina. Thanks for trekking in. It's not easy to find us. No, it wasn't easy. I, did,
9: <laughs> I walk up the garden path. Uh, we know. Yeah, okay, you saw me doing that. Your poor thing. I took the advantage of looking for some slime moulds whilst I was doing oh, it. Oh, oh yes. Did you find any? No, I didn't uh, get down on my hands and knees and have a
0: good look. Well, Faye would have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I had to get here, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, priorities. Absolutely. No, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So we look forward to learning a lot more about slime moulds and why it's become your obsession. Absolutely, it is an obsession. It's a ridiculous obsession. <laughs> it has to be something. Uh, no, so you were at the WA Herbarium, you were you worked there? That's right, I worked at the Herbarium
9: for about 35 years. So it's- 35 um,
0: years, that's uh, a long innings. It
9: was a long, in, long in, innings, and um, of course I love native plants, so it was the perfect place to work. Um, And I was a curation technician, so I looked after the collection. So um, that was a passion at the time. Mm. But, you know, 35 years, sort of doing the same thing. You start looking around for something a bit different. Yeah, And that happened with a volunteer. So a volunteer at the herbarium, and we have many volunteers at the herbarium. I still talk as though I'm still there, but I'm not. Of course. Other than as a research associate. She she got fascinated with slime moulds. Her name was Margaret Brims. And she taught me a little bit about slime moulds and she just opened my eyes to this magical world and Mm. uh, I had to fall into it. And Mm. so I did.
0: Mm. And how long ago was that?
9: Margaret was very active in slime moulds, late 1990s to about 2010. Mm. Um, I didn't really have time to pick it up until about 2015, um, by which time, you know, you start getting a bit older and you think what shall I do when I start retiring, etc. And uh, she just opened my eyes to how beautiful they are. And the thing is that we didn't know anything about slime molds in Western Australia. No. We probably had about 20 specimens in the herbarium. Wow. And that was probably equated to about 20 species. By the time Margaret had finished her work, she had discovered another 150 species. Mm. So um, there's a lot here, a lot we didn't know about. So there's a lot for me to discover.
0: What's so special about them? What? Hmm.
9: I just, from my perspective, they're just beautiful. They are like micro fungi. You know how beautiful fungi are. You can see macro fungi. They're quite beautiful. Mm. The slime moulds are, most of them are no taller than one millimetre, but they're,
2: that's right. So (laughs) you, you You
9: won't see them by walking up the garden path. You do have to get down on your hands and knees. But they are the most intricate designs. They are colourful, they're beautiful. And not only that, they have the two life forms. They have the slimy part and the funky part. So, in fact, the slimy stage can also be very beautiful.
0: So do you need to walk around with, like, a lens well, or Well, if,
9: if you saw me out in the bush, I'd have yeah. knee, knee pads on. <laughs> I'd have lots of um, a mozzie repellent because they kind of like you when you're slow and not doing much in the bush. Uh, I have... Um, I have my cross stitch glasses which are times 3 which hang out from hang out from my head. I have a head torch and then you're just down there with something like some um uh tweezers and you're just f- moving away leaf litter and just looking for colorful objects because they're so tiny your eye does need to be drawn to something. Um otherwise you yeah. they're there. They're in your garden, they're in our gardens, they're everywhere. But you can't see them generally.
0: What's their purpose?
9: Their purpose is they're part of the web of life, and so mm. just to be probably um, not too uh, scientific technical, about it. Technical, yep, yeah, technical. They are just the platform above decomposers. So the fungi decomposers and bacteria decompose, and they de- they need to decompose wood, etc. Mm. And then the the slime mold, the slimy part, is the feeding stage of a slime mold. And it travels across um, the substrate, eating, engulfing bacteria, um, bits of, of fungi. Sometimes they might ingest a, a little bit of wood or some nutrients. But their job is to eat, suck up that bacteria and other- Clean up. Yep. And then when they fruit, um, that's when um, the next layer of insects, like springtails, etc. And again, you can't see, really see those. Um, but snails, etc., will eat the slime mould, the feeding stage and the fruiting stage. So then those tiny little invertebrates will eat the slime mould, and then the next layer eats the springtails, and the next layer, blah, da, 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 and there you go through the web of life. So they're an important um, block in in the web of life in that they get that nutrients uh, from the, the bacteria, etc., to the next level to the invertebrates, etc. Very important yeah. in our ecosystem, but of course we don't know much about them, so no. we don't realise how important they are.
0: Okay, so you're here to educate us, so we encourage calls to Karina this morning. If you have any questions about slime mould or fungi in general, 94841927. And of course, we're taking our regular gardening calls as well, so you, we talk on all subjects. So you're looking down, you've got well, something I'm to say. Well, i just
3: looking at 10 to 9, so...
0: Another break. Okay, back in a moment. Cartoon radio you're tuned to, to let's talk gardening nine four eight four one nine two seven we are going to the news at nine am now I've got some lovely things to give away this morning How about we give away two liters of a very grow product sounds uh, like a plan sounds like a plan you must be able to collect the very grow from the station and not uh, sorry, not to have won a prize in the last 28 days on the station. And you also need to be a Curtin FM member. So Grow is a revolutionary garden fertilizer made from Aussie wool. Scientific breakthrough gardening game changer created here in WA, turning Australia green. Safe, natural and could be the best thing that ever happened to your garden. So you can have a bit of a read up if you like. Search Verigrow.com.au. If you'd like to try it must be able to collect from the station. Be the third caller through to Bev now on 94841927 and two bottles of Verigro belong to you. Okay, hop to that. Very good. Now, Karina, you said that most gardeners, well,
3: everyone has this in their garden. How would they know? What What are some of the common things that they might see?
9: There are a few, excuse me, there are a few larger slime moulds, one... I mean, you think slime moulds is a bad enough name, but one of the slime moulds that grows, it has a common name, and it's called the dog vomit slime mould, which is a very unfortunate name. But you might see that in your garden, and gardeners pretty well for sure would have seen that one. Mm. And it's quite large, and it can grow 30 centimetres across. Um, yes, it does initially look like when it's in the in the slimy, starting to uh, fruit stage. It will look like dog vomit, but it will then finally dry off to have a lovely covering a limey covering which could be white or yellow Um, it could be as small as a cotton ball it can look a bit like a cotton ball it could look like a tissue that's just got wet in the garden Mm -hmm. Um, or it could be much larger and in fact grow out of the mulch across your driveway a little bit say 30 centimeters across Um, so you look i would have thought most gardeners may have seen that one they may Mm. also see early in the season about now Um, they may see slime molds fruiting on their lawn and it could be quite large patches of these tiny little balls maybe up to a millimeter across but there'll be a large patch and they'll be gray or white and you'll see them growing up the stalks of your lawn etc and they're the ones that people might ring up and say oh I've got something growing in my garden yeah is it going to damage the lawn no no slime mold will do any damage to your garden whatsoever so if you see something growing um, that, that if if it's dry and you, you touch it and spores fly away, it's most probably a slime mould um, and there's nothing to be worried about. It will come up every year and you'll go, oh, there's my pet slime mould.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> Some of us do say that, don't we? We do, <laughs> <Faye>. <laughs> Uh
9: Look, occasionally you may see a large fruiting of something a bit more colourful. The other thing you might see is the slime stage, which... It's actually got a name called a plasmodium, and that's the bit that you might see. That could be bright yellow, bright red, white. Um, at that stage, you can never tell what species it is, but you might see it creeping around your garden. And when I say creeping, maybe it can creep about a millimetre or two every hour. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. So you may you may see, but you really have to get down and look. So to give you an example, I was um, pulling out the dead leaves from my kangaroo paws in the garden a couple of days ago and suddenly my eye was drawn to some little white balls just right at the base of the kangaroo um, paws and there were some um, stalked slime moulds growing just on the leaf litter down there. Mm. So they are
0: everywhere. Okay, so you, there's nothing that you can do specifically to encourage slime mould into your garden?
9: Just lots of leaf litter, leaf rotting branch, rotting oh, okay. branches, rotting um, Yeah. Uh, uh, logs, etc. So I have those in my garden, but mm. unfortunately the logs have yet to to um, grow a slime mold them on for me, but, but in it'll time. happen.
3: I can almost guarantee if you got a pile of mulch dumped yeah. oh, at some point, absolutely, it will climb over that. But I was looking in my, my forest floor the other day and the little white footed slime ah, mold yes, that's was the other on one. the edge of many of the yep. pieces of bark, yep. the gum leaves, yep. Um, yeah, yep. That's, mm. that's
9: diachia lycopodia. Yes. And that's beautiful. And your eye will be drawn to the white, the white stalks. Um, and it's got then a beautiful iridescent uh, sort of oblong-shaped top to it. And they can grow up to about a millimetre. But what <laughs> your eyes will be drawn to will be the white um, feet. And um, uh, so, yes, that's quite common at the moment. And you're right, Faye, it's mm. very common on mulch, growing on mulch. And in large areas, they can be like a metre across, um, or they can just be a few. Uh, mm. Chips of malt.
3: I reckon people should get out there with their grandkids yeah. in their gum boots and their raincoats and their magnifying glass and go looking and for ju- it. and just pick a spot. I found yeah. some bird's nest fungi in a pathway the wow. other day when I was pulling out individual weeds. When you when you do detailed work, yeah. you can't help but notice all of those little things. You did right, mm.
0: and we do have a winner for the Very Goat products. Congratulations to Teresa. Uh, so, yes, we'll be giving away some very good products each week for the next five weeks or thereof. Let me see. We are going to the news. We'll squeeze in a call. We're in Canning vale. Good morning, Neil. Hello.
6: Hello. Good morning. Um, my question is about the, when we go to the shops now and we buy potting mix, they all just seem to be giant big pieces of pine, you know, bark and everything. And a lot of them also, they become like too water retention that... Uh, my wife's grown frangipani seedlings and uh, you know from seeds and the potting mix just goes like rock hard even you know when you water it 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 just becomes like first it starts off like a a glunk and then it turns rock hard you know Mm -hmm. what I mean and what can we do or what's the best sort of potting mix to buy for you know because I like uh, propagating plants but I'm having just so much trouble with these Mixes yeah, are yeah,
3: for, oh, look, I totally understand, Neil. And I think over the last 12 months has been a game changer for me since we've talked more about epiphytes and aroids and ferns. So understanding what, what type of uh, growing media plants like. So for something like frangipanis, they really want a free-draining mix. And when you understand, well, you've started to acknowledge that the the bark is too chunky it's not what you want in that growing media so you might get the big bag of premium potting mix and you might sift out the chunkier pieces because it's not what you want you might also add something uh that that helps the mix become more free draining so you can add some little rocks to it and there's many grades of sizes of rocks they would use the same sort of rocks in a cactus or succulent mix. Uh, you could use perlite. If you're yeah, raising that's,
0: that's
3: seeds...
6: that white stuff? Yes. Yeah, I use that stuff already.
3: Okay. So mixing up your own blend yeah. to get what you want.
6: Okay. Uh, what, are, what are they, Some of the websites I've looked at, they say about using a river sand. Is that any good or is that a no-no?
3: No, river, river sand's good because what it does is it adds drainage. So you, I would mix a potting mix and I would take out the big pieces of bark. I would add some sand and maybe some small rocks and maybe some, some perlite as well so that the mix is open. Mm. It will hold some moisture, uh, but then you also adjust your watering times yeah. to to the mix. So you, yeah. and you get a balance. If it really it's like really
6: through, You give it more.
3: Yes. So as long yeah. as it doesn't hold moisture, it's not going to rot. Like it doesn't hang on to it for, you know, three days at a time.
6: Yeah. And, and the last little bit, just for my own like satisfaction, because I'm buying this potting or the you know, because I've, I've tried just about every brand. Has potting mix actually changed? What it used to be like ten, fifteen years ago, when it used to be. You looked at it and it looked like a potting mix, where now it mm. just looks like a lot of bark. It, they all, Most of them do look like it.
3: Yes, yeah, so I would say they have changed and it probably will change again, again because mm. there's a, a risk that they aren't going to be able to get the the wood that they need to make potting mixes. Mm, the pine bark. So we we mm. need to get smarter about how we make our own potting mixes.
6: So the best thing to do is literally buy a bag of that and split it up and make a whole pile of add a lot of things to it to make it a better mix. Exactly. Yes.
3: And you will learn as time goes on, Neil.
6: Yeah. Okie dokie then. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I know you got to go to the news. We okay. do.
0: Thanks. Thank you, Neil. Cheers. Okay, bye. bye. Speaking of the news. Showers today will be cloudy with a maximum of 22. Right now we have 16.9 degrees and the humidity is sitting at 99%. The minimum overnight will be 13, a maximum tomorrow of 20 and showers are forecast. And on Monday the minimum overnight is 11 with a maximum of 20 and a shower or two. Going to be a wet week, guys. That's mm. all good, isn't yeah. it? Perfect. <laughs> Whoa, Are we yeah. rubbing our hands together? Yeah, and Roberta <laughs> of Wilton phoned in to say that she has received her novel. We gave away a couple of paperback Hill novels last week. She received it yesterday and she's thanking us again. Enjoy it, Roberta. Um, thanks Fantastic. for playing with us.
3: Yeah. That's really quick, isn't it? Very
0: fast. And Sue of Helena Valley c- called in regarding Guilford Grass. Now, she has learned that she sprays with... Metsulfuron, so that's M E T S O L F U R O N. Gets it at the lawn doctor. Six to eight weeks after the Guilford grass emerges, okay, which is a little bit different. Before flowering is when you hit it with this particular product. So there's another option for mm, our previous absolutely. call as well. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. Special guest in the studio with us this morning, Karina Knight, research associate from the herbarium in WA so we're talking slime mold but we're talking gardening in general too so keep keep your calls and inquiries coming in we've got a couple of emails to do this week as well we have yes
3: and Deb has just sent us in a photo of a bulb in a pot and there's no flower to identify she asks if it looks like a valthemia bracteata and that was one of my thoughts certainly Deb but without the flower we can't be sure and Unfortunately, in the photo, I can't see the ends of these leaves. I would be looking for a rounded end of the leaf. And when they first appear, they're often a little bit fluted or or ruffled. What's what's the common name? Oh, it has dusky pink bells, many of them, on a Uh stem.
0: Sounds beautiful. Uh, And
3: they do come up around this time, but this... It looks a little different to me. Possibly it could be. I I would think they're pretty good flowers and they do flower most years. She does say that it's had pups. Another thought would be Hippiastrum, but the leaves don't really look strong enough. They Mm. they look softer. Uh, There's another one that I've got at the moment and it has big trumpet lilies, big trumpet flowers, uh, white and pink. Ray, I gave you one last year.
0: Ah, yes. Not the swamp lily. Uh, No. no. Crinum. Yeah. Yeah, mine's in the ground. Mm. Mm. Oh,
3: and they're doing stunning at the moment. Mm. Now, from my flowers last year, bulbs developed, which when they hit the ground some months later, actually emerged. So I've got Mm. little babies coming from the seed Popping up as well. Mm. Wonderful. Uh, I'm keen to know what this is, Deb. So uh, give it some sunlight and maybe uh, fertilizer for flowering and fruiting plants and hopefully you'll get a flower and then we'll know for sure.
0: Mm.
3: Okay mm. so uh, oh, Karina, we've got Bill from Gidgegan up
0: on the phone. Gosh. He'd like to have a chat. Bill good morning. Yeah
10: hi uh, Faye, Ray and Corina. Um, Karina, great subject you've got there and um, I'd just like to say that um, they're, they're crazy little things those slime molds and I suppose My interest is um, in trying to preserve the remnant soils that we have, so the remnant bush, et cetera, and because we're in a biodiversity hotspot, I'm taking it that the slime moulds play a very important part in the symbiotic relationships that all the soils, and as you mentioned the great term web of life, everything plays a part, and with development and everything that goes on. It's just a shame that um, we see some of these things uh, disappearing because they've been around for a long, 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 long time as you would um, realise and everything does play a part and the developers come in, they bulldoze it all away and Mm. I know that we can recreate some of these things in small ways but I think you know what I mean.
9: Uh, Look, Bill, it's such an interesting topic. I think um, there's a few things there. One is that... Um, What you're doing to try and preserve remnant vegetation is fantastic. And slime molds, in fact, a lot of them fruit where we can see them on the surface, but a lot of them live in the soil. So preserving the soil in its natural state is really fantastic because it's going to help preserve those slime molds. I think the other thing is that development occurs. And at this time in in, um, 2022, Uh, They'll do flora. um, There are environmental flora surveys. There are animal surveys and uh, lizard surveys to find out what's growing in in the environment before it is um, pushed over for housing or mining or or whatever it might be. And they don't, uh, in fact, uh, study um, the mosses and the liverworts and the lichens and all the small flora. Um, and I don't want to get too political, but that also includes fungi and slime moulds. So yeah, so we yeah. don't know what we're destroying, which I think is the saddest fact. And the, and because we live in a biodiversity hotspot, Australia in particular has a fantastic endemism in, in its flora, um, then, then uh, really, when you think about it, there will be endemism in slime moulds, fungi, mosses, lichens, and they've not been studied enough at all in Australia up till now. Um, so, yeah, what you're doing is great, but um, there's a lot more, I think, that could be done to help preserve the the, the lower plants. It's a horrible term, lower plants, and, and fungi and slime mold. So keep at it, Bill. Um,
10: yeah. Oh, thanks. And, no, everything you say, I agree with. And I think the other thing to say is to people that there's so much that we can't see that play such an important part so in what we've got. And, um, every time we go through with a machine and knock down bush et etc, and roadside vegetation, we lose all these things, as you said that and I suppose we I mean, it, it's very political you, you the government should be giving a lot more funding to people like yourself and the museum, et etc, and scientific research because um all the mycorrhiza fungi hyphae, all those things that we don't see, but you know for sure- for certain that they play such an important part in giving us the biodiversity hotspot. There's only so many biodiversity hotspots in the world and we seem hell-bent on destroying ours.
3: Bill, do you photograph and document what you've got there?
10: Um, I don't really. Uh, I just I marvel. at I walk around, I do a lot of bushwalking and et cetera and... Um, I know that what we've got and I know there's so many things that make up what we've got and um, I don't really document it but um, I document it in my head and Mm. there's a couple of us that we go out together and we walk around and we're a bit like the Eric McCrumbs etc and um, we go out and we see things and if we if I see something and I don't know what it is I'm able to take a photo and I send it to a mate and he does the same and one way or another we always come across strange things but it's like the little mistletoe bird that. Um, yes. They they play such an important part. There's, everything is there for a purpose. The web of life is just a great term, and you can just start from that. And it just it it saddens me that the developers just have so much power. And you you knock down a three four hundred year old tree, which is just a factory. And then someone, you'll get a counsellor will say, oh, look, we'll put 15 tube stock in to replace it. And it's yeah. just a, ridicu- it's a mm. ridiculous um, mm. idea. When
3: well, Bill, we're here to raise awareness yep. and let people and, know yes. that there's a whole lot more out there and and get everyone's eyes out there on the ground. And, you know, just as a thought, those photos that you do take and, and share and you get uh, identifications of, there are national databases mm-hmm. where they build yeah. a whole um, snapshot of what's active, where and when, places like iNaturalist, yep. um, and that's worldwide. Absolutely. iNaturalist is a great place to put images, Bill, if
9: yeah, you want oh, to take great. them. Yeah, and also there, I mean, I don't know if you're onto Facebook and, and uh, platforms mm-hmm. like that, but there are some fantastic uh, um, Facebook pages that you can join and, and pop your photographs on and people around the world will help you identify what you're seeing. Um, and I, I my favorite Facebook page, of course, is the slime mold identification and appreciation <laughs> page. And yeah. um, there are experts around the world that are on that page and um, they will help you identify what you've got. Um, and of course, there's fungi of the world and fungi of Western Australia and, and other in, insects of the Southwest, Western Australia, et cetera. Um, and they will help you try and identify what you've got. iNaturalist is great, but also these smaller platforms are brilliant.
10: I'll, I'll have a look at those. Thanks very much for that. Um, I, I know that with all this rain we're getting at the moment, the fungi up here will be just going absolutely crazy in the next week or so. Absolutely. Very
0: exciting. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it's
10: always a timing thing. Thank you very much. Thanks,
0: good on Bill. you, Bill. Great call. Thank you. Bye. Cheers for
3: yeah, that. Bye. Boots yeah. on, everyone, and get out there after 10 o'clock. <laughs> oh, all
0: right. We're heading to Nangara. Angie, good morning.
3: Hi, Angie. Good morning, everyone.
7: Thank you. Um, I wanted to know about the fruit flies. Whether are they still around for me to uh, put um, baits for the mandarin and oranges and that?
3: They or? certainly they can oh, be around year round. Oh, uh, do they? Oh. Well. I, I am aware that well, Karina's nodding ahead. She well, may know more I than know I know because they keep falling in my glass of red wine in the evening. So I know. My still word, around. cheeky things! <laughs> yeah, but certainly I would keep the baits up because I know a lot of people have have trouble with fruit fly in citrus yes. and oranges. Yes. So that tells us that they are still around. They okay. might slow have, down, but doing that,
7: I'm just wondering whether I should take it off or
3: no. Well. Oh. I, I would continue to trap for them. Oh, okay.
0: Okay, I'll do that. Okay. Thanks, Angie. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. And we just lost Vaughan. Now, he's from the Fern Society. He wanted to talk about mould on the staghorns, I think. So if you want yes. to give a call yes. back, Vaughan, I know that we're a little bit uh, slow getting to you. Uh, give us a call back if you can. Let's move on. We're in Heathridge. Bill, good morning.
4: Hello. How morning, are you, Bill. Bill? Yeah, I just want to give you a good bit of advice. Um... I can't talk to my daughter-in-law. That's the ladies' college, and told my son never speak in public about my leaving school at 40 and not going to Vietnam. But I went after the war, and we learned a lot from these people in the a- in Asia. And by the way, spaghetti, uh, the Italians got uh, it comes from noodle. They live very simple lives, and I I met a lot of uh, Chinese and Vietnamese there Hao Ma and all that. And I found out that uh, they went down holes, and one reason I go go, women fought, carried Kalashnikovs, and they came out, and they found that it was basically Vietnam. Indo-China, and they found great olive trees and they've been living on nothing and they found that and I, I grew olive trees. When I moved up here. You want to try it? My, I, you have to do it in the backyard. You take the green fruit off and the others don't waste them. You don't have to melt them like the Europeans do. You chew them up. And I'm sorry, like we used to bubble gum, spit them out. You get all the beautiful juice, but you've got to drink char or tea and it is the best thing for you. You don't get cold. You don't waste all the fruit chew a mouth or a small mouthful and spit them out you get all the beautiful juice and when I see olive trees around with people the fruit dropping off and the birds mm. getting I think what a waste we can learn a lot from the, the Vietnamese.
3: Wow that's amazing Bill I may actually throw to John and see if he can do some research and, and follow Add up and to find yeah. more information about it. But yeah, well, they're, they're a
4: beautiful fruit, but I said don't drink coffee, it's, it's, it's not the right, no, 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 it's all coffee there now, but it's the char or tea, and you, well, some people might want to spit, you spit the whole lot, but you get, you chew them, and most of the green ones, you get the beautiful juice, and either in the backyard and on the fruit, you know, away from people, but... Hey, you get a small mouthful and drink a bit of tea after. It is very good for your throat and it's uh, instead, uh, and this time of year what grows natural with the rain, the olives.
3: Mm. All right, thank you very much for that bill. Okay.
0: <laughs> Bill's gone. All right. Uh, we'll we'll take a break and we'll be back in just a moment. Kitten radio. Twenty-one minutes after nine, you are tuned into Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. And just a reminder: we have Radiothon kicking off on Monday and uh, next Saturday. Uh, those that donate in the gardening show will go into the draw to win a seventy-five-dollar gift voucher from Bigger Trees, of which there are four to give away. So, two each hour, and uh, it'll be it'll be a big week. We it, hope so.
3: It certainly will be kicking off on monday ray Mm. now we have had a couple of emails come in thanks to andrea worms in veggies i learned a tip a few years ago from an italian home gardener to keep worms out of all veggies once they start growing and you know they're pollinated pull cheap nylon stockings over them and close the ends they will grow inside so yeah, That's,
0: yeah, yep. yeah, I've seen that done. Eyes mm. on the ball, everyone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, another date for our listeners to pop into your diary is Sunday the 3rd of July. The Northern Orchid and Garden Fair is on at the John Septimus Row Community School, which is in Mirrabooka Avenue. Mirrabooka. It's on between 9 and 3. We'll give you more information as we get closer to the date. Pop it in your diary. It's going to be a big event Sunday the 3rd of July. The Northern Orchid and Garden Fair and uh, yeah it's always a wonderful event, a wonderful venue and uh, so much to see and learn and lots to buy. Oh
3: yeah. And Karina we've had an email come in, a wonderful photo. Oh, I'll let you go ahead.
9: Absolutely, yeah. Michelle has sent in a fantastic photograph of a very large colony of a slime mold growing on what looks it's leaf litter but it looks looks a bit like straw so possibly in a veggie garden um, huge colony, thousands of uh, slime moulds, absolutely beautiful. Um, they are probably in the, they're going to get a little technical, probably in the um, family Physaraceae, And the reason I know this is that Physaraceae have uh, lime deposits on the outside of their slime mould and uh, on outer covering, but also there is lime on the inside. This one is being sort of a white, light grey colour, and so it has lime blobs on the outside. It has a short stalk. Um, Michelle, I'd probably look on Google, perhaps look up Physarum Pucillum, and I think you'll find that's what you've got. It's a
3: fantastic photo, and yep, lucky you. P-H-Y-S-A-R-U-M. Correct. So, Chris, uh, Karina, tell us how you go about then taking a sample, what you Mm, would do mm. to preserve a sample for the herbarium. Okay, so I am
9: quite interested in receiving samples from the public because I'm out there on my own and I don't get a lot of time to go and play. In fact, that's how I met Faye. She was playing in in her garden in Jandicott and said, hey, look what I found, so that's how we met. And some of her specimens have gone into the herbarium. Uh, So, I need more eyes on the ground. It would be great to get some collections. And slime moulds, you can only collect them at this fruiting stage um, where the spores will fly away if you touch the slime mould. The slime part is, uh, you can't collect, there's no point collecting that. So, all you need to do is pick up your uh, piece of substrate, and that's what we call the bit of straw, etc. Pick up the substrate. I've always said to Faye, pop it on your garden, uh, on your kitchen bench (laughs) where you can just watch it dry out. Um, It won't be damaged. It'll just dry out. And once it's completely dry, in fact, it's ready to study. Um, And when I'm talking about drying, I'm really talking about the substrate drying out. Um, We'll pop it under a dissecting microscope. We'll have a look to see what its um, features are. Sometimes you'll need to we need to put the spores uh, under a microscope on, uh, on a microscope slide to see what they look like. Um, to put them into the herbarium, basically, we just need you and I need to connect whoever wants to collect slime molds. And um, uh, because it's hard to send them into the herbarium, you really need to hand them over to somebody. Because if you pop them in the mail. Uh, all the spores will disperse. That was going
3: to be my
0: question. How do they transport it to Yeah, Carefully
3: in the back of the car so they're not moving. Put a seatbelt on. Yeah, Ice cream, cream uh, little (laughs) takeaway containers are
9: perfect. Um, Of course, slime moulds still come under the same um, regulation as collecting flora. So if it's your private property, that's fine. You can collect slime moulds and you can drop them off at the herbarium um, uh, uh, addressed to myself. Uh, or, or we can connect, um, but you cannot go out into any old bit of bush and collect slime moulds unless you have a licence to collect. Oh, really? So I do know that. Absolutely. So okay. um, if if there is a landover such as Faye, she says, yeah, yeah, you can come and collect any slime mould you like or build and get you gann up. You can come and collect any slime mould you like. That's fine, but you can't just go out into a national park and collect slime moulds without uh, a rele- uh, the, the correct licence to collect um, and also
3: to get approval from the landowner to collect. Okay. Mm. But they're fascinating because when these spores are released, the structure that's left behind is like a skeleton. Correct. Yeah. And their their patterns and features are so intricate. So, I mean, talk about patterns in nature Mm. Mm -hmm. on this small scale. But even before that, the iridescent colours. That's right it 's just it 's incredible it, it 's another world it 's a
9: mag- it 's a magical world it 's probably fairyland really but mm. it 's quite magical because you just wouldn 't think to see those shapes and colours especially the irides- iridescence as you as you mention. Um, in such tiny little organisms, and that's what makes them, um, that's what makes you fall in love with them, quite frankly.
0: Well, I've <laughs> seen you know pictures on Facebook pages and certainly pictures that Faye has sent me, and some of the colours are just surreal, yeah, aren't they? Are. they? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, Yeah, and that's, that is what draws you in. It's fascinating to, to look at.
9: I think part of what draws me in, in particular, is the discovery, is just going out to the bush and thinking, what will I find today? Yeah. Uh, what will I bring home? Will I bring something new that I've not seen before? Will I bring something new home to science?
0: Yeah, um, and yeah, that, that's, that's exciting. What, it is
9: exciting.
3: It's very exciting. Well, when Karina told me that Margaret Brims, of course, lived on the same, or not lived, Pretty had real. a property on the same street, and that was her hunting ground, I then had this twitching list. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> her, which, you know, I have lists of everything. Ray, I've got my philodendron list here, and, and you know, I'm just collecting and putting up things on iNaturalist. We're up to 764 species on our property. Incredible. Isn't that incredible? You wouldn't expect that of a, what, an acre, a mm, couple of I, acres? Uh, four, four acres, but two acres of it is bushland. Yeah. And and I think more than a dozen are slime moulds. So yep, yep, yep.
0: working don't on... Don't worry,
9: we'll keep adding to the list. Yes. Least, don't
0: worry. <laughs> All right, <laughs> 94841927 is our number and we do have some free lines. I think I shall give away my bigotry voucher. Compliments of Kerry. $75 gift voucher. Not to have won a prize on the station in the last 28 days. And you must be a Curtain FM member. Okay, so what could you buy with $75 at Bigotry's? They do specialise in frangies and the ornamental and fruit trees. But they actually have a huge range of plants in general. It's literally everything you could think of. They have it. And it's a beautiful nursery to wander around in, immaculate nursery. For those that have already been there, they know what I'm talking about. And I know Bigger have taking regular deliveries at the moment of uh, new, new stock and bare root stock will be arriving soon as well. So it would be good to see what is actually coming in if that is of interest to you. So if you'd like to win this $75 shopping experience from Bigger Trees, here is your question. In the song titled Green Green Grass of Home, what tree is sung about? In the song titled Green Green Grass of Home, what tree is sung about? 94841927. And this is an easy one for you today. We're not always hard. Off you go. Good luck. Okay, carry on.
2: And,
3: oh, so what What else? Well, have you got any other questions about slime moulds? Well, what is their scientific name?
9: Well, they're in the group Myxomycetes. Um, it's a Greek word. Myxo meaning uh, slime and Cetes meaning fungi somehow I think slime fungi sounds better than slime mould. It does.
0: I don't know why and I've... I've tried. Can't you, can't it be renamed or... Well,
9: I'd love to do that.
0: Uh, can't you do it? Uh,
9: well, no, I don't know. <laughs> I could give it a good go, but I did, I've done some research to find out why it was called mould mm-hmm. and I don't really understand. Perhaps slime moulds were uh, first discovered in the Northern Hemisphere in the Americas, so I think that um, uh, mould is pro- possibly a preferred word. I really don't know, but... So they're in that group. So what they are is that they, funnily enough, they're in the same group of cells. So I'm going to get technical again. Is um, they're eukaryotic. Now, there's a bunch of organisms that are eukaryotes. They have a a type of cell. And plants, animals, fungi, and slime molds, and a few other things are eukaryotes, the, the bacteria. Are prokaryotes, so they're in fact they're, they're they're closely more closely related to us than they are to the to bacteria, which would surprise if you think about the fact that the slime a part of a slime mold is in fact a large amoeba, which is c- travelling across the substrate eating, and so that's a little surprise why why it's um you would think that it's more closely related to us. Uh, there's a lot of work going on are trying to understand the genetics of slime mould. There's a lot of work to do. Um, It's a bit like fungi. I think fungi, they keep changing the genus and the family and they keep moving them around and the slime moulds are the same. So they're still just trying to find their position. Yeah, I hear Um, you. So uh, there's a lot of research going on, but a lot of it happens in the Northern Hemisphere. Oh, We don't have any specialists.
0: Why is that? How frustrating.
9: Well, it is frustrating from my perspective. I can see. Because Mm. I don't... Have anyone really to refer to in Australia?
0: Yes, to yes. I and get so that. we
9: have to collaborate with people in the northern hemisphere. So, yeah. if you want to publish, etc., what we need here in Australia, of course, we have that fantastic Sarah Lloyd in Tasmania. But she also is a citizen scientist, and other citizen scientists like myself, mm. who are who are learning, um, wanting to understand slime molds. What we really need are things like a university that uh, gives us um, access to molecular labs and fantastic SEM machines and things like that. So we can actually describe our own species in Australia Hmm. rather than always needing to collaborate with someone. So I have collaborated with a number of um, specialists uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. And they're great because they have so much knowledge. So I'm learning all the time.
3: Oh, it's fascinating. And, you know, I know that you can kind of keep them as pets too, Karina. You can feed them. <laughs> How do you do that? Oh, you listen okay, to this. Okay. So pet, a pet
0: slime mold.
9: Absolutely. I'm so all ears. If you don't want to go out looking for slime molds in the field, <laughs> then the next best way of finding slime molds is to grow them at home. <laughs> so if you can imagine, they're quite ephemeral. They really need moisture and the right temperature, etc., to be able to grow because they need the bacteria to be growing to feed. So if I was to go out to the desert, I would not find a slime mold anywhere because, in the summer anyway. So if I go traveling, I will collect substrate from desert areas, the Kimberley, etc., bring it home and pop it in a moist chamber. So what you do is you it, you can pick up a substrate from anywhere you like. You just um, soak it for 24 hours in distilled water. Then um, pick it up and pop it in a, a plastic takeaway food container mm-hmm. with some... Uh, paper toweling on the base, yep. pop the lid on, and just watch what grows. And you can be pretty well guaranteed in 95% of cases you will grow a slime mould on that um, substrate. substrate. Now, some of them will start with the an obvious slimy stage and mm. that can grow and grow for months and months. It doesn't fruit, it just grows for mm. months. And I have two containers at home that have got a bright orange plasmodium growing in it and what I do is I'll be giving a talk to the wildflower society next month and I hope that it's still growing and I can take it in and say hey show and
0: tell this is a
9: slime mold but when it's ready and that's usually when conditions are not good it runs out of food it gets too cold it runs out of moisture it will fruit and then you'll have your slime mold growing and that's how I grow a lot of slime molds and so that's my indoor garden and I might have 50 containers With substrate in them growing at once, Mm. and that's where you tend to find them very minute slime molds. So there are some that are only a quarter of a millimeter Mm. high, and you'll never see that in the in the field. But because they grow in moist chamber, you can grow. You can actually do. And what do you feed them? I don't feed them because what they're doing is. they're eating the bacteria that's growing on the substrate. Yeah, so it's yeah, wet, yeah,
0: that's it.
9: and then the bacteria is growing, and the slime molds go, hoo-hoo, thank you, and they eat the slime eats the uh, bacteria. Now, some people do put oats. They do feed their slime molds oats, try and encourage them, perhaps, the slime onto the paper. To reach out, yes. Yep, and, and so what happens there is they don't, they're not actually eating the oat. The oat goes slimy, it's got bacteria on it, and the slime mould heads out and goes, woohoo! a new food source, and it'll climb off the substrate and it'll climb over it to goes. the oat and it will start eating the oats. And it goes, I've got lots more energy, mm. lots to eat,
3: I don't need to fruit. But at some time down the track it will fruit. Mm. But they're smart too. How's the story where they put out oats and the slime mould created the most efficient route likened to the the system around Tokyo
9: correct so you what they want to do is they they're using chemical signals to to find where the food is and so if the if you put out um uh, the oats saying the, the the towns around Tokyo uh, just in that sort of grid pattern and pop your slime mold down the middle it will move the shortest route to each of those oats trying to get to it and it's basically you can say well that's going to be the best subway systems will follow that slime mould. But <laughs> so they they're not they're not clever, of course. They're just after some food. Mm. But but Efficient. people love that. They love they love being able to experiment with slime molds. So if you can get a plasmodium that keeps on growing for you, you can do all sorts of experiments with them. Okay. So that's I don't play with my slime molds like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Now we do have a winner for the bigger trees gift voucher Cheryl from Oakford congratulations and uh, do tell us what you end up getting with your $75 voucher we're all ears we love to hear about it I like to live through my listeners and uh, see what you actually get up to and uh, we enjoy hearing back
3: we certainly do now a date for everyone's diaries if they do like fungi I'm giving a talk at the cottage gardener circle on the 20th of June all about the fascination of fungi and I'll be slipping in a little bit about sly mods because you can't as you do not and and that really is how it started you know I was Mm. following I'd go out in winter wet seasons looking for bright colors and and different uh, fungi that were appearing out in the bush or around my gardens and many of them come up in the same places year after year but then I started discovering some of the smaller things and that's where I I was led to slime moulds. Yeah, that's right. You found a beautiful <laughs>
9: specimen uh, growing at the base of a banksia tree. Oh, that and, was incredible. Um, very shiny, which is probably what drew your eye to it. Very shiny. It's quite small, only millimetre tall, but it was a large colony. So one's eye is drawn into it. And this, is a, this was a beautiful one. It had an iridescent uh, covering around it. But once you open the covering up, the inside has a skeleton that's got lovely, tiny yellow nodes in amongst the skeleton. So... These are all sorts of features that you need to understand to try and identify a slow mold. Um, mm. But I think, if I recall, that was the first record for the state from I your. Th- I think so. It was pretty it special. Was. Yeah, wasn't it was it. special.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the thing is like I've talked over time how how my ideas have changed on the management of the property. You know, mm, we, mm. we have Banksias dying from time to time, and, and we thought it was a good idea to clean, clean up the bush and burn them. Now I really understand the value of a dead tree. You know, initially, while it's still standing, the rainbow bearders will come in and they will use it as a sentinel or lookout tree when it's got no foliage and it's all dead. I've found bearded dragons and little lizards up there. Uh, Native bees will nest in the cavities in the tree trunk. It's just a haven for so many things. And then... In winter, when it all gets wet and it starts rotting down, there may be fungi and then the slime moulds as well. So it's just this whole web of life on what would yep. be considered, you know, yep. something unsightly. But it's not. It's so important. As human beings, we like to think well, we're going to tidy everything up. Oh, but in fact, everything
9: God. serves a purpose and everything is really important. So luckily we're starting to change our mind about, th- as, you've, as you've just said, is even in your own gardens, is leave those little branches that have fallen off the peppermint tree um, leave the leaves, et cetera, so that other insects uh, and, and um, lizards and things like that can ha- have some have a habitat. Habitat, to live.
0: exactly. Yeah. Okay. And also just getting back to um, the bigger trees question, I asked the, the question in the song titled Green, Green Grass of Home, what tree was sang about? Faye, tell everyone what the tree was.
3: <laughs> oh, God. Ray, I've gone
0: blank. Okay, okay, fungi's gone to your head. <laughs> okay, is. the oak tree in the shade of an old oak tree. Okay, that was well, the answer. I was answer. just
3: thinking of tying a yellow ribbon so around the old, old oak, oak tree. tree.
0: Yeah, there you go. Oh, and so, have
3: we got the song,
0: Ray? Well, I could load it for you, Faye. Oh, that would be okay, lovely. Okay, but I, we need to go to a break, for so sure. I will have a look for it for everyone. Catching Radio. Thank you for your company this morning. George Binaldi will join you at 10 a.m. He'll be playing the classic 60s. And then from 12 noon, Ray Finn uh, till 3. And then Gillian Bush will keep you entertained 3 to 6. So interesting afternoon ahead on Curtain Radio as well. Diane rang in from Rockingham. Hi, Di. Thank you for your comments on getting back to nature. Okay, so she's enjoying having a listen. Oh,
3: and Margaret. She'd be enjoying it as well. Well, she's on the phone,
2: Ray. (laughs)
0: I oh, know, Faye. Oh, okay, Margaret. Good morning.
2: Oh, good morning, girls. Morning, Karina. Thank you very much for your time to come and talk to us about pleasure. this very interesting topic. I'm just ringing up because, I quickly, wanted to offer you the opportunity to come to my property. I have five acres of natural Jarrah forest, original Jarrah forest. Um,
9: Margaret, uh, that would that is a fantastic opportunity. North
2: of Mundaring.
9: Can I come too? Yeah, Faye, Let's go. Let's go together. <laughs> um, Margaret, that is fantastic. Perhaps you could leave your phone number with with um, Yes, and um, I will ring you. But that would be fantastic because, in fact, I I need to find um, places I can go legitimately collecting. Um, oh well, you're very around. welcome to this five acres. That- That would be fantastic. So, um, (laughs) Margaret, I really appreciate you ringing in. As I said, leave your your phone number and I'll I'll give you a ring.
3: Lovely. And, Margaret, in the meantime, we were just speaking in the break about how, you know, on a wet day you might be thinking, oh, I'll stay inside, but this is an opportunity to go looking. So before we come, you (laughs) could do a hunt around. You could do it today with an umbrella and just go out and look in your plant pots and look... Um, at the base of trees, or rotten stumps, or leaf litter, yep. just just look where it's organic and wet. Basically, yeah, wherever it's wet,
9: where, wherever
2: it can stay wet yeah. for a few days. But that's pretty well everywhere at the moment because it's raining I, every day. I usually usually go out to look and see. I have such an amazing variety of toadstools that oh, come fantastic. up after this rain. So, Yep. there's going to be stacks. you know next weekend will probably be. Yep a time when I'll be out there having a look Perfect. for toadstools. Yeah, absolutely. So, so this slime is generally shiny, is it?
9: The slime is, it's more, you're more likely to see it because it's colourful. Uh, so right. it, it'll be um, all, like spaghetti tracks uh, along uh, a, a piece of bark or something like that. But oh, ma- okay. Many, many slime molds of slime is invisible. So it's only a few where they're they're brightly coloured but um yellow yellow and oranges and greenish colours are the most common and the yellow of course your eye will be drawn to it. So I've so I've seen an image of a a rotting fungus, quite a large fungus from last year and it was completely covered in yellow slime. Uh, for the slime mold, was eating the uh, rotting, the bacteria that was rotting the fungus on it. So unfortunately if you see the slime, you have to go back the next day and and hope that it's fruited or it may have just crawled off somewhere else. So it can be a bit tricky but yeah, you probably see a bit of slime today because it's so wet.
2: Oh right. I have seen a few very large white toadstools that have got very curly edges but they're the size of a large bread and butter plate yep yep they're huge yep just with a white top yep and mm, um, that's, um, that's an they're the only ones i've seen so far but there'll be more after this rain. that's for sure Terrific. yes i'll it well, i'll wait here and go back to
0: Biv. okay you. putting you back thanks margaret Thank you. and sue uh from gabita yes. won a bigger trees voucher last year purchased a pineapple guava and an apple tree love the experience a day's outing from Gabadar. Oh, that's Thanks for lovely. letting us know, Sue. So that's, that's good buying, isn't it?
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's a lovely area up there to go and visit. There's, you know, places to stop
0: off and have oh, a yeah. drink. and yeah, lunch and all sorts of things, yeah. Yeah, it's not that far away, you know. It's from here, from Bentley, I'd take you, you'd be there in 20 minutes. Yeah, so it's not very far away at all. So great day out. And we do have, let me see, yeah, we can take some uh, more calls. We've got about 13 minutes left of the program. Faye, you're busting out of your chair as you always are. <laughs> <laughs> well, John's brought me more
3: information. Uh, the, the most uh, interesting about the olives, of course. Raw olives are far too bitter to eat and can only be enjoyed after they're processed. And that's, that's the thing it's Well, I was a bit wondering that. I was wondering that when mm. he was talking. Mm. Yeah. But I do wonder if perhaps um, it it was a survival mode that oh, they I would have had thought to so. Eat, yeah. Uh, so any to get some protein or fiber yeah. or mm. liquid. Yeah. Mm. But yes, if if you've bitten into an olive before they've been Yeah,
0: it's not nice. Uh, preserved. It's they're very Quite unpleasant unpalatable hmm. but he's saying it's good so hmm. okay there's something well in it. it may lower the risk of heart disease oh i could find better ways of doing that, yeah. <laughs>
3: lowering the <laughs> risk <laughs> and yeah. it's of course all of time at the moment yep, the, sure the trees are plumping up and it's ready to start picking and start preserving hmm.
0: okay now i could play a song for you green green grass of home this one's by bobby bear there's They're all reserved, so I'm not sure what this will sound like. Oh,
3: okay.
0: (laughs) Shall we have it going? Yes. All right. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed The Green, Green Grass of Home. It's a very very beautiful song. Now, Wendy of Two Rocks phoned in and said, Gabada is up near Moor River. Yes, Wendy, we were referring to Pickering Brook, where Bigger Trees is located, to say that it was 20 minutes from Bentley. We were chatting. That's what we meant. So I'm just clarifying that for everyone. We're in Dianella. Ian, good morning. Good morning. morning. Ian. How are you?
1: I'm, I'm very good, thank you. I'm just out in the car at the moment, heading for the biggest um, retailer in the metropolitan area. We
0: know who you're talking garden. about, Ian, yes.
1: My question is regarding the pruning of roses. I have mine to prove, and some friends who are going up to Carnarvon for three months, I've never seen the roses looking as healthy at this time of the year, despite them being slapped with chilli thrip earlier. And I don't know whether I should just still prune back as normal or modify the pruning program.
3: Ian, I would prune as normal. Uh, For the reason being that roses like to have a rest in winter, I would um, be looking at pruning in July and just doing your normal prune. I th- I think you, you're you pretty okay with the first flush of roses in springtime and then after that when it heats up then is the time that we tend to have more uh, prevalence of chilli thrip.
1: Right, okay. You've confirmed what I thought but I just wanted to double check um, as much because I've got others to look after and I, I'd need to... Um, protect them so i do appreciate your advice
3: and that's interesting that you say that they they're the best they've looked at this time of year so i guess we've still had a a mild start we've had some rains but we've had some glorious weather in recent weeks and the roses are still growing and in fact sometimes you you think they barely go dormant around perth sometimes that's true yes mm, so who, who well, knows?
1: Normally at this time of the year, they we've got a lot of black spot, etc. There's just new shoots everywhere, uh, yeah, and and, and, and it's like it's a it's like a mini mini flush.
0: Like,
2: yeah,
1: and it, yeah. Uh, and they just look so healthy. And um, yeah, so well, I, I would do what I normally do. And just one, one other question: Do you delay fertilising after you've done the, the prune in July?
3: Um, I I like to fertilise around springtime uh, because I use a slow release fertiliser, or I may throw something around when I make a well around the plant. So I might throw in some pelletized, uh chicken manure uh, or a bit of blood and bone, and then a mulch. But then comes springtime when it starts to warm up, then put a dibbler down and put some slow-release fertiliser into the ground. And then that's there for when they kick off.
1: Yes, okay. Because well, normally I, I, my method has been a, a handful of blood and bone and uh, some cow manure and then the the, the, the rose fertiliser. So I'll do the first two and then delay the, the, the actual fertiliser. Mm.
3: And is it the rose fertiliser you use, is that a slow-release or a... A uh, yes. compound, yep, okay. Yes. So and that needs right. kind of warmth to release yes. into the ground, yep.
1: Yep. Okay, then. Thank you very much for your help.
0: You're most welcome, Ian. Take thank care. You. Cheers. Bye. Bye, Ian. Thank you. Okay, I've got a couple of minutes left of the program to wrap up. Oh, June of Beckenham uh, called in to say thank you for a lovely gardening show. Thank you to you too, June. Sometimes June sends us cards and things. We appreciate that very much, and taking time to phone in and say so. Take that care of lovely.
3: And we've received an email from Margin. Mm, mm. We've received an email that's got a beautiful
9: picture of a slime mold. It's not quite um, fully developed yet, so Margin was a little little um, worried it wasn't a slime mold because it's not yellow. Well, slime moulds can be all sorts of colours, Marjan, so don't worry about that. This is definitely a slime mould. It's, for the viewer that can't see, it's probably around a millimetre tall, huge colony. It's all white, but it's between the stage of the plasmodium, the slime bit, and the mature fruiting body. So I can't tell you exactly what it is, but it could possibly... What do you reckon? Faye, could be the diachia, the white-footed one, that's starting to um, develop. So yes, it's definitely a slime mould.
0: Well done at um, observing that and photographing and it. And how long does it take to change to the next stage? Uh, a few hours. Oh, is that <laughs> yeah, all? Yeah. I'm thinking days, yeah. weeks. Oh no, my goodness! So I can look at. I you can just need to sit there no, and watch. You do. And, it doesn't take that's... very long.
3: I'm so pleased. I wonder if they have just gone out since the show just to have a a, a quick little look scout around because that is how easy it is, folks. Absolutely. Like it's out there here George. <laughs> it, it, it's a tough up George Now as this well. is a, yeah. this looks like it's growing on
9: buffalo. Ah uh, yes, I didn't take a good uh. look at that, but that's what makes me think it's probably more diaki because it tends to grow at, uh up off the substrate up lawn um but also uh, last year at the um the meeting we went to last year where I gave a presentation, um, somebody brought in some of this exactly same species and had been growing up the white polypipe that was attached to her house. that had oh. grown 30 centimetres up the polypipe. Mm. Just an amazing spectacle, quite frankly. And And they do like to grow out of the moist area into somewhere drier to fruit, and that's what this is doing.
0: Corinne, so they, they climb. In, yeah, your enthusiasm is infectious. Good. Thank <laughs> you for sharing your knowledge with us this morning. We really appreciate it. Oh, been a, I've had a ball. Thank so you. So that's very Karina much. Knight, you. everyone, research associate at the WA Herbarium. Thank you, thank you. And also, whilst I'm on that thank you uh, note, Bev Dering, of course, John Glidden, and our very own Faye Acaro. George Minoldi is next with the classic 60s. Here is my gardenism, and when the wind and winter harden all the loveless land, it will whisper of the garden, you will understand. Okay, look, everyone, keep warm out there. Look after yourselves. We shall be back next Saturday. It will be a Radiothon gardening show. We look forward to it. Take care, everyone, and happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.